Now tuning in to Earbud Media, audio for everyone. Hello, welcome to Cabin the Woods. I'm Jenny. And I'm Rachel. And this is our podcast where we review horror movies and wines that we paired with them. Yes. And what an exciting day today is. It is the day before I get my second vaccination dose. Woohoo. And then, not to be one of those people, but it's also two days before my birthday. Yes. So... Um, special birthday episode here. Very excited for all of this. Hell yeah. Happy early birthday and happy pre-vaccine day. Thank you. Yeah. So I get my second dose the day before my birthday and all of the people that I've talked to who have like gotten the vaccines or are vaccinators have been like, oh, you're going to feel like shit on your birthday. Like apparently if you didn't have COVID the second dose hits really really hard and like there are a whole bunch of side effects and stuff like that so apparently i'm gonna be sick on my birthday but it's okay because i'll it's all for a good cause you know yeah it's that's a that's a sick that's worth it in the end true i don't have anything exciting going on really but i finished finals this week woohoo that's exciting yeah that's cool next week is spring break for me which means nothing really it just means i'm still working 40 hours a week but I don't have any homework. Great. That's fun. And the week after that, I start new classes for my last quarter of grad school. Hopefully ever. Yay! I can't say never because, you know, who knows if I'll get three more masters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we never know. A lifelong learner, but you know. But done for now. So before we get into, like, movie stuff, we should do our little check-in. Uh, what are you watching? So, since the last time that we spoke, I got through this new anime, or not new for me. Um, It's Mm -hmm. called Neon Genesis Evangelion, and I watched that with my roommate. It was really good, and it was like, it was an anime. It's like a very existential, like, crisis kind of anime, and I have um, several other friends who've seen it before, and they would all tell me, you gotta either be in a good place to watch it like you have to Mm -hmm. be like mentally okay or you have to be so mentally terrible that you're okay with going even (laughs) worse and it was just it was a wild ride there's like the series and then there's two movies afterwards but it's these 14 year olds that have to fight off robots but like the robots are like sentient i don't know if that's a spoiler but there's a whole bunch that has to deal with like mommy issues and daddy issues and like tons of childhood trauma and all of this it like it's it's intense um but it was really good it sounds fun yeah it's great time (laughs) um (laughs) but then what i've also been watching is per your request is search party yes yes, and so there's 10 episodes per season and I just finished um, episode eight of season four. So I oh have two God. episodes. I have two episodes left to watch. And I meant to watch them before. Oh, my God. You're, like, deep in it. Yeah. And I couldn't stop. Like, there was a day where I watched a season and a half. And oh, yeah. I was texting one of my other friends who watched it. And she was like, just some friendly advice. You should maybe slow down a little bit. And I was like, yeah, it's- yeah I should. <laughs> I watched that show so fast, and I was sad that I watched it so fast. Ah, it's... Because it's hard not to. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's a cliffhanger trap, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. It is not what I was expecting. Right. It is not what I was expecting. It's like every genre (laughs) at different times. It's But it's also, like, the funniest show to me. It's very funny. I think season one was really funny, but, um, like, season four, I am not laughing. Oh, yeah, not... Season four is, like, so serious and so stressful. It's been, like, four or five days since I've been able to sleep through the night, and I think it's, like, just stress from watching Surge Party. Oh, my God. But, like, in a good way. I love it. I'll never get over Alia's performance. It's so good. The range that she shows. I would give it all up. I love John Early. He's, like, my favorite person. Which one is he? He's the the gay guy 
who like becomes a Republican persona <laughs> for the month. Like he sell- he sells his soul. Yeah, his character is so funny. Portia is one of my favorites, though. Yes. I really like Portia. Portia's probably the only one that's like really a good person. Yeah, we can't talk about it because I'm gonna spoil but too I don't, much. Yeah, I'm so. like, I don't want to spoil anything for you either because I don't. I watched the last season, like the last four episodes, all at once. So I don't want to mm. like accidentally say something that you shouldn't know. That's totally fine. Enough about that. What about you? What are you watching, Jenny? I'm watching many things. I am still watching America's Next Top Model, but I'm not going to talk about it today. I'm not going to make anyone listen to that. (laughs) But I am watching the British Invasion season, if anyone's curious. And I have one episode left. And aside from that, I am watching Fargo, the TV show, not the movie. Movie's great, too. But I just finished season one. So Fargo, each season is a different cast and different... It's an anthology series, so each season's different. But the first season is some of the best television I think I've ever seen. It's 10 episodes, and it's about a few murders that may or may not be connected in a small town, I believe, in Minnesota. And everyone's got the Minnesotan accent, and there's, like, this whole, like, Midwestern politeness thing happening, and everyone Mm. knows each other. And at the same time, you watch the people committing the murders dealing with the aftermath and covering up and all of that that is like Hmm. intertwined with the cops investigating wow so you see you watch them find the clues but you already know what happened yeah i've heard really really good things about that show when you said it was like the best season of television that you've seen that's something that i've heard like across the board yeah it was like masterful like so good and I can't recommend it enough. It's got a little bit of everything. Like, it's actually a very funny show because it's very, like, tongue-in-cheek a lot of the time. Similar tone to the movie, if you've seen the movie. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the movie. And it's funny because, like, they play up the Midwest politeness so much. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, is that how the TV show is too? Absolutely. And Martin Freeman plays one of the lead characters who... I don't think it's a spoiler because it happens in the first episode, but he did some of the bad things. Okay. But he is playing it off as being like the nicest guy because he's friends with all the cops and it's, it's so good. And I love, just love the acting. How far are you into the, into this uh, series? I finished season one. Okay. So you haven't gotten. I haven't started season two yet. Gotcha. I'm trying to not watch it all like crazy fast. I'm curious because I was checking in and I did check in with him to make sure that it was true. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have a friend who was an extra on Fargo. Oh my God. What season? Season four. Okay. um, He said he thinks it's like episode eight. Okay. um, But it's in season four. And yeah, he was just like an extra on the TV show. And I think if I remember, if I remember correctly, I'll like double check with him. To make sure my information is as accurate as possible. But if I remember correctly, he specifically applied to be an extra on Fargo because they were going to give him a free haircut and he needed a haircut. (laughs) I love that. So once you get to season four, you're going to see my super famous friend, R.T. Hardiman. Amazing. With a new haircut. (laughs) With a, with a brand new haircut. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm like so excited to start more of Fargo. I just have been trying to control myself. But I'm excited. I'm probably going to start season two very soon. Oh my gosh, Chris Rock is in one of these seasons. <laughs> oh my god. If you go, just go to the IMDb and scroll if you want a fun time. Because the cast is ridiculous. It's so good. Also, just Billy Bob Thornton is... <laughs> like so evil but i love him in in the show and i really allison tolman is probably my favorite she's she plays like a she's one of the cops in like a cab but she's <laughs> like a new cop and she's the only person that's like i don't give a fuck if you're friends with martin freeman we have to investigate him <laughs> because i think he did this so she's really like the one who's going for justice here anywho watch fargo it's on hulu Nice. And I know I'm late on that. Like, I am like I am on, like, every show. But 
Fargo's so good. I don't know why I waited so long. I do the same thing. I mean, Search Party, I think, came out in, like, 2016 or something like that. Yeah, I think that's when it started. It ended this year, though. Or I think end- I think ended. I'm not sure. I have found conflicting information online. Ah! Uh, I don't want it to end because I have two episodes left, and I'm like, there is no way they can wrap this up <laughs> in two episodes. They wrap up a lot of it, but not everything. Wow. They, they definitely left it open, I think. Anyway, yeah. Do you want to uh, get into the movie? So today we're watching Us, um, the Jordan Peele film, his second movie. So what's your history with the movie? I actually saw this movie. My former roommate um, worked in a movie theater and we saw this movie for a midnight premiere or maybe it was like an early showing or something like that. But mm. we saw it like right when it came out in the theaters and whew, it was, it was a trip. I had a very, very like, go- like it was a great movie going experience. Yeah. It was super intense. I agree. And then I think I've, I think I've seen it one other time. I forget where or why, but I definitely feel like I've, in my soul, I feel like I've seen it more than once. What about you? I think I've seen it twice. I may or may not have watched it again after that, but I don't fully remember. I saw it twice in theaters. I saw it once at, like, I'm trying to remember the name of the theater, but it's this, like, tiny theater in a mall that is completely abandoned and empty. Whoa. It's creepy. Is it in Chicago? It's in Ohio. Oh, okay. I was home at the time. And I saw it with, like, two of my best friends from high school. And the theater we went to is kind of, like, a drive from all of our houses. So we Mm -hmm. had, like, an hour drive home where we just, like, tore the movie apart and talked through everything, which was great. And then I watched it, I believe, the next day because I went home after watching it. It was, like, in the evening. And when I got home, my brother and I were talking about it. And he was like, oh, I wanted to see that. Why didn't you take me with you? So we went the next day. With, I went with him and some of his friends. I saw it twice in theaters, like, back to back. And I I think it's such a good movie for the theater. Because mm-hmm. it's so exciting. Oh, yeah. Like, the tense moments when you could, like, feel it in the audience, too. Mm-hmm. Oh. It was so fun to watch it. And also watching it the second time was fun. Because, like, it was fun to watch other people watch it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy, thoroughly enjoyed it both times. And I'm very excited to rewatch it today because it's been a while yeah i i'm very glad that you brought this one up that you suggested this one because like it's fantastic and it's been a while since i've seen it too so sweet yeah what kind of wine are you pairing with it today so i have this wine called omen and it is from oregon which seems about right for the omen because that's like the pacific northwest is like murder city the little, like, picture on it is a, like, run-down building that I'm assuming is a church because there's a cross on top of it. And it is a Pinot Noir. There's so much information on the back. I think it's an organic wine because it's got all this stuff about, like, no additives, vegan-friendly. But, yeah, it's a Pinot Noir, got dark, dark cherry notes and cranberry and baking spices, according to the package. I haven't sipped it yet today. I did cheat and have a glass, um, like, last week. Wow, how could you? So if it tastes bad today, it's my fault. Because (laughs) I opened it and it may have gone a little funky, but I hope it's still good. I mean, aren't wines supposed to age anyway? It's fine. Yes, but there's something about the air. I'm just hoping I had it sealed properly. (laughs) It'll be fine. It's wine. I'm I'm not going to die or anything. It just might taste a little acidic. Right. But... Yeah, it does smell more acidic than it. I remember it being. From my memory of last time, it's a classic Pinot Noir. I was like, it's a very, like, creepy, dark movie. And I think, we'll talk about this later, but I think the themes of the movie are very bleak and very dark. I was like, well, the darkest wine I can stomach is typically a Pinot Noir. So that's what we went with. And also, Omen just seemed, like, properly, what's the word that I want? Like, not menacing but close to that. I'll think of the word that I want like in like three hours after we stop recording, probably. You can tell that I write a lot because I'm like, I need the perfect word to describe this wine. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it fed the vibes. I feel you. What wine did you go with today? 
So in that same realm, I went actually very, very close to everything that you were saying. Mine is called Apothic Dark. And yeah, it's like a really dark red wine blend. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a specific kind, but uh, a blend. And it's a California blend, which is another thing that I picked it for because the movie takes place in California, right? Yes, it does. They're like on the beach and stuff. So, but I was choosing between a few different kinds and this one was from California and I was like, oh, that'll fit. Yeah. Um, but for the same or like there was like a variety. So Apothic is like the brand and then Dark was the kind that it was and I was picking from different ones and this one just seemed really appropriate because like you were saying the movie is really dark and the themes are pretty dark and on the back it says some interesting stuff it says there is a romance in darkness it draws our curiosity and beckons a desire to taste the unknown i thought that was just so poetic and i was (laughs) like ah it does draw our curiosity does that connect to the movie at all kind of maybe a little bit i'm sure you could think of it that way but yeah i just thought that you know the movie is quite dark and this is literally just called apothic dark so and then it's from california so that's why i picked mine nice (laughs) all right i just took my first sip well my first sip today how is it um honestly it doesn't taste that great (laughs) oh i think it might have been open for a little too long but it's not, like, terrible. It's sharper than it was the first time. Ah. But it tastes like a Pinot Noir that has been open for a few days. Well. Which is accurate. Sounds, yeah, sounds like exactly what it is. Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me take a sip of mine. Okay, okay. Mine is good. Mine is good. I want to start by saying that. <laughs> it's not as acidic or strong as I was expecting it to be I wouldn't say it's sweet but it's it's I thought it was going to be a lot stronger than it is but it's really good I'm a little bit glad because sometimes I can't handle really strong wines Mm -hmm. and this you know we're doing this in the middle of the day so (laughs) like I think it'll be good for the movie watching experience yeah this is definitely a wine I'm going to need to um eat some food with (laughs) Are you ready to get into this movie? Yeah, I'm so ready. All right. See you on the flippity flop. All right. Let's get into it. Yes. Us, 2019. Initial thoughts? I It holds up. I still really liked it. Um, but initial thought was it was not a great movie to watch during the day. I agree with that. For some context for any listeners, um, it was a beautiful day outside and we watched this movie in the middle of the day. And so great movie. Like I said, I I still thought it held up really well, but it was so nice outside and like all of my windows were open and like the movie was really dark Mm -hmm. and I forget how little dialogue there is in it. So much of it is acting, which... Another initial thought that I had was, oh my God, the acting is so good. But the experience in a movie theater is so much better than watching it during the day at your house. <laughs> yeah, I I had the same experience. I was, The whole time I was like, my TV's at full brightness and I still can't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I have that qualm with a lot of movies because I tend to watch movies during the day too. It's not an unusual thing, but this is a night movie. <laughs> Oh, for sure. That we definitely watched during the day. But I still enjoyed it. Yeah. I also think the experience of watching it with people is better. Yeah, I was watching it by myself today. And I was like, man, I wish I had someone here to, like, react with. or Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think the the audience, because I don't think I've watched it without an audience. So it was very strange to be just me and my cat, who does not really know what to make of string music like her ears perk up and she just looks so confused every time so that was fun she also liked the seagulls <laughs> i feel like skimble shanks knew that i was watching a scary movie and sat in like a different like in a chair and in, in one of his other like sleeping chairs in a different room what are your 
not initial thoughts, but like, you know, getting into it. I didn't enjoy it as much as the first two times I saw it. Hmm. Interesting. And I don't know. I know part of that is the the daytime watch of it and me not being able to properly see it. To me, the pacing felt really weird. And I think it's because I knew what was going to happen. Because at one point, I paused it at like, right at like the one hour mark, which is a little bit over half. But at that one hour mark is when the Wilsons had just escaped their house. Okay, like no shit, Jenny. I paused it probably around the exact same time. (laughs) And it was also like at the one hour mark. And I, I paused it when the dad was getting on the boat with the other dad like the same dad like his us dad his tethered yes dad and anyway I was like oh my god we're only halfway through like they haven't even gotten to the Elizabeth Moss house yet yeah I had the opposite thing where like in my head the tethered show up so much earlier in the movie and I was like blown away that it was that far into the movie. Like, there was so much more exposition than I thought there was. Oh, I thought this was at the beginning of the movie, but we're, like, an hour in. (laughs) Yeah, it was just, like, it was very strange, and I think it probably had a lot to do with, like, anticipation the first time. Mm -hmm. And like I said this earlier, earlier before we watched the movie, I think it's been close to two years since I saw it. I don't think I've seen it since right when it came out. It's been a while for me, too, for sure. Because it was in the theater last time I saw Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I think the the reason I didn't like as much this time, and I still still like it, I just didn't have that feeling of, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to do with a combination of, like, the pacing, watching it during the day, and watching it alone, probably, is, like, the reason for that. But I still very much enjoyed it. I think it's a very fun movie, especially if you haven't seen it before. Yeah fun movie you know with (laughs) murdering like (laughs) clones (laughs) so man I don't know how to ask this question like there's a lot of imagery and a lot of like deeper meaning kind of stuff in this movie so like what do you make of the whole um shadow person connection evil not evil kind of dichotomy i think on like the the most simple level it's the other Mm -hmm. which we've talked about in this podcast before like for sure and the way i've viewed it before and i think this time too is like more of a class struggle than anything else is what i see Hmm. that can also just be like they're literally like the underclass yeah yeah, literally. Like they're Cause you, you... like literally they're lower class. Yeah. Like they're lower. But the thing that I was thinking about the most this watch of it was major spoiler alert. Since Adelaide is the tethered, mm-hmm. I think the whole thing is that we're supposed to at the beginning when we start to learn about the tethered, we're supposed to believe that they're like not less than human or they're like different somehow because you know they can't talk they are like deprived and if you ate only rabbit you would not survive (laughs) i was i looked that up during this there's high protein but there's no vitamins oh gosh (laughs) so like those people would be like dead fact check Um, (laughs) fact check those people would not survive (laughs) and anyone that was still alive would be like going insane for lack of nutrients (laughs) and they'd be very sick but i think the whole switch of Adelaide shows that the only difference between the tethered and the quote-unquote humans is that it's it's nurture. It's like the, the resources they were given. Mm-hmm. I thought about that a lot after my first viewing of it, of kind of wondering, like not really reaching a conclusion, but having kind of just like the question of is the message kind of are people born evil and then find their way out of it or do like yeah or do good people find their way to evil like is it kind of you know the whole nature versus nurture thing so exactly what you were saying yeah adelaide was a perfectly loving caring mother and you'd never get the indication that she was ever the tethered until literally the very end if you had seen it once before you can kind of get the indication from how weird she was acting as a child 
but still she never really exhibited evil behavior as an adult in the movie until the very end you know so does that mean that she's still inherently evil or that she's still inherently like the the shadow or the tethered my thing is that are the tethered even not human if they're duplicates they would genetically be like the same i would expect so i don't even it's like are the tethered inherently evil yeah or are they just forced to live underground i think you're right with just like changing the material conditions i mean literally just being exposed to sunlight and yeah sunlight and anything other than rabbit yeah (laughs) i would assume would make any person feel better All of the questions I have about the tethered are ones that I don't think have answers, which is frustrating. What are some of the questions you have? I want to know how exactly they know what their double is doing Mm -hmm. and how they get the the exact same clothes as them. Where the fuck did those red jumpsuits come from? How did they get scissors? (laughs) Where are the gloves from? Who? How? How? In order for them to survive, I know they have a bunch of rabbits and rabbits multiply. So like that makes sense for their food source. And I know that the movie's not really about this, <laughs> but I can't not think about it the whole time. <laughs> you know, it's like... Yeah, suspension of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, it's a suspension of disbelief thing where you just have to kind of take it as like, it doesn't make sense and it doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense because it's a metaphor. Yeah, that's definitely how I have taken it. This Like, I never think about the semantics of the tethered because yeah. it's like, well, they live in an underground world anyway, so, <laughs> like... Yeah, you just have to go with it. Yeah. Oh, the fucking tunnels. Okay, I looked that up and it's real. Whoa. A lot of people experiencing homelessness live there. Wow. But some of them are really hard to access, but, like... They don't fill in, like, old subway lines or anything. So there are, like, tunnels everywhere. Wow. That is... Which is super creepy. That is so creepy and so cool. Like, I don't know. There's just so... There's so much to know just in general ever. (laughs) And no one can know everything. And that's, like, just crazy. Yeah, they're just... They're just there. I wish I knew how to access one of those, like, underground tunnels, but I don't know, nor will I ever, probably. And that's okay. That's what I was thinking about most of the time that they were underground. I was like, now I know that those are real. I don't know if they filmed in real ones. They probably didn't. But there are real, like, tunnels everywhere. Wow. I bet the Chicago one is crazy. Oh my goodness. I bet there's like literally an entire world underneath Chicago. Yeah. I know I have a few friends who listen who are like big, like Chicago history buffs. And so if anybody mm-hmm. like knows anything about that, reach out to me because yes. that shit's so interesting. <laughs> it really is. And I was also looking into the history of the like Santa Cruz mm-hmm. where they filmed and where they went to the beach and all of that and most of the like the games and the rides in especially like in the first scene at the carnival those are most of them are original and they're like actually from that boardwalk oh wow the house of mirrors is not that's like completely fictional and also that house of mirrors is creepy as hell and i love slash hate fun houses i love to see them in movies i would never go into one myself yeah i've gone into a few and i regretted it every time they're scary they're creepy yeah don't recommend them i went to one that was like a halloween themed one horrifying it was like a haunted house crossed with a fun house Ooh, yeah that is horrifying like it was a regular fun house but they had like people in costumes screaming at you in there ah yeah It was horrifying. (laughs) Yikes. So scary. So kind of circling back to the, like, how do they get their own clothes? And how does this underground world exist? And how do they know that they're the tethered kind of thing? So basically you find out that, like, basically the OG Adelaide is the one who put together the coalition of tethered people to go up into the surface like she's the one who like Mm -hmm. organized everything put together the jumpsuits got the scissors like made the whole plan so do you think that wouldn't have happened if her and the tethered had never switched places yeah i think the switch is necessary 
Okay. At least somewhere. It could have happened like somewhere else with someone with a different person. Because otherwise, how would they, I don't know how they would know. Right. Like that's the, that's really the only, unless like they had like, I don't know, government people going down (laughs) to see them. Yeah. To like bring them things. But that seems like, that doesn't seem like something that's happening. So. But then my question becomes, so again, if we're getting into logistics here, Adelaide and her tethered switched when she was so young. So it's not like Adelaide knew everything that she was privileged of having mm-hmm. because she was such a young girl. It's like, how would she know that she would be missing out on like love and family and all that kind of stuff? Cause that's not something that she had experienced yet. Does that make sense? Yeah. So then if she's the one to mobilize this movement because of all of that taken away from her, like, how are you able to convince that many of the tethereds that they're missing out on something so big? Yeah, I have no idea. How do they know that they're missing out on something? So presumably they don't, the tethered in general don't have like language capabilities. Right. They don't speak and they doesn't, they don't seem to like read or write. Mm-hmm. So even if Adelaide tried to tell them things, how would they understand her? Or did she have to, like, show them with, like, drawings and stuff? Yeah. You know what I'm – what I am thinking now is that it seems like – I hope listeners are, like, sticking through because uh, I'm, like, <laughs> processing all of this out loud and coming to different conclusions. But I guess they kind of talk about it in the beginning or, like, in the first monologue that the tethered Adelaide, like, says, I think – like, they know that they're missing out on something because they're, like, kind of still connected at the soul. Okay. Yeah. So it's, like, that unnamed, like, whatever is tethering, like, connecting them. Mm-hmm. Whatever allows them to, like, move together. Makes them know that there's another part to them. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Because in that monologue, she talks about, like, she knows everything that Adelaide got. She's, like, mm-hmm. she got soft toys for Christmas. And the shadow got really sharp toys that, like, cut her hands when she tried to play with them and stuff like that. I I think it also emphasizes and has a lot to do with privilege because the privileged one can ignore the connection that they have to the tethered. Yeah, and and most people, most don't even know anything about it. Exactly. Aside, Adelaide has this, like, repressed memory that she doesn't even figure out till later, so. Right. I mean, it makes it makes a lot of sense, too, with, um, like, Jordan Peele movies in general, I would say. Really bringing, like, black issues into, into horror. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of this, I love that the white family in this is so useless, dies right away. <laughs> That is what black characters have gone through in most horror movies that they're in. Mm-hmm. There are obviously exceptions, and there are like some black exploitation films that, weirdly enough, became like beloved. And getting to see the white people have to deal with that, <laughs> and they're so annoying. They are insufferable. I hate that. Yeah, <laughs> Elizabeth Moss is like vodka o'clock. Like, <laughs> ugh. In that same realm, I loved they they did one of my favorite like horror movie tropes, which was playing good vibrations during the big family murder. Yes, like playing fun music <laughs> during the <laughs> during like the scariest parts. Yes, and then obviously the good call the police, and then they play fuck the police. Love that. Like that jammed like so much cultural commentary into like 10 seconds which is great yeah also like the snippets of the song that you do hear and like the lyrics that you do hear very intentional yes also police are referenced so many times in the movie like Mm -hmm. when the tethered family first came to the beach house they were like oh call the police and the police were 14 minutes away and Really just so many different moments through the movie showcasing 
how useless the police are. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, we have to deal with it ourselves anyway, so. Mm -hmm. Which is accurate. Yep. I think it's so smart. I think this is a very, like, Jordan Peele thing. I've noticed in, like, not just the films that he's made, but in other work that he has, like, directed and been in. Even if it's not a comedic thing, it has, a t- there's, like, a specific tone to it. Mm-hmm. That it, it's it's a bit self-aware, but not, like, sa- I wouldn't say it goes into, like, satire realm. It's, like, softer than that. I really like it. Like, the, the tone that he strikes with, like, putting fuck the police in the middle, right, as Elizabeth Moss is, like, bleeding and dying on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> And also, when she says that, it's essentially an Alexa, but she calls it Ophelia. Yes! And Ophelia means help me. Yes. I looked it up, and I was going to bring that. I have that, like, on a tab on my computer that I was going to bring up. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I also looked that one up, because I was like, that, that, I was like, that's too weird of a name for it to not mean something. Yeah. I, I thought exactly the same. I was like, there has to be some significance behind the name Ophelia. There has to be. <laughs> Jordan Peele loves an Easter egg. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It warrants a rewatch always, even though like this experience wasn't as great as like previous ones that I've had. It definitely warrants a rewatch because of all the Easter eggs. Yes, just at night. Yeah. (laughs) At night and also preferably with someone who hasn't seen it, I would say. Yes. And also rewatching when you know the twist is very, I think, very good for noticing like extra Easter eggs too. Yeah. Like, the movie starts with the commercial for, like, the Hands Across America or whatever, where all those people were, like, holding hands. And then they did that at the end with all the tethereds holding hands. Mm -hmm. But when I first watched the movie, I had completely forgotten about the opening scene by that time. And then, like, the second time I watched the movie, instantly the movie started and I was like, oh, shit, they do that at the end. Yeah. I love that. Something on this watch I also just kind of thought and caught a little bit more is the first time that Adelaide, the first glimpse that we get that maybe like something's like pretty off there, like when she's an adult, is when she goes into the basement looking for her son and she kind of has like a weird flash in the mirror where we see her like remembering practicing her ballet there as a child. Mm Mm-hmm which comes back later when we see the whole big dance scene, which is a moment that her tethered red says that Adelaide felt something and that that was them. That was like pulling between the two of them. Yeah. The way the scene, the second time that we see the ballet referenced is done is just so bone chilling, but in, in a good way, the music is like tingly to me. Mm -hmm. And the dancing is phenomenal. Just like, gorgeous yes and the cut like the way that it cuts between the dancing at the recital and below ground is just really artfully done and like timed well with the music so it's just a like that scene is so good to watch and also makes me think of another movie that loves a good mirror black swan mm. i have not seen black swan Ooh, i'm putting that on our list at some point okay and something that I wrote about for a class was I wrote about the duplicity in Black Swan and so I had to watch the movie and like I wrote down every time there was like a mirror or something and you have very similarly in this movie a lot of mirror moments even before you know about doubles yeah I was going to bring that up too and I think it stuck out to me more since it was a rewatch but when they were on the beach as adults like when it was Adelaide and Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Moss's character what it Kitty yeah I saw so many more like doubles than Mm -hmm. I had caught the first time around watching it yeah and there's also just when they're it's either like before or after they go to the beach when they're just kind of hanging out around the house we see Lupita and her daughter Zora is also seen kind of looking in the mirror for like a solid beat before we see like the actual tethered mm-hmm. like before the sun's even gone down there's also like the double spiders mm-hmm. that one was cool where one's alive and one's like a model spider or like a toy i think yeah love that 
And then all the 1111 stuff. Yes. Oh, I looked up the Bible verse. So it's creepy as hell. Oh, shit. What is it? It's Jeremiah 1111. It's, we also see it like the person who's begging for money is holding it on a sign. The verse is, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. So they're basically like, you can scream, God's not going to come help you. Wow. So um, they were screaming, the police did not help. (laughs) Not saying that the police are like God. (laughs) The people who are supposed to be in charge or somehow have more power can't even help. So that's a fun one. I don't remember what's happening at that part of the Bible, but like, I don't know what story that's part of, but could be any of them. Jesus, I almost said Jesus did that a lot. He was not around in the Old Testament. God did that a lot in the Old Testament. That's like kind of his character. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly from being raised Catholic. Yeah. There was a lot of that going on. (laughs) Yeah. He was, he liked to test his people. There was a lot of killing of firstborns some plagues you know the works yeah speaking of plagues there are plagues in fargo oh shit and references to the biblical plagues just a little little nugget there Ooh, i can't wait oh also i double checked with my friend who was the uh the extra yeah the extra and i asked was that the role where you got the free haircut and he said that's the exact one. I only signed for the snips. Oh my god. So look Good out look out for my friend in Fargo season four, uh episode eight with a fresh new do. <laughs> nice. Oh my god. But yeah, so the biblical verse is very like very clearly connected to the eleven eleven. These are definitely things I know I noticed before, just notice more differently this time. But I think I think this was a new one. I noticed that in the scene where Adelaide's parents have just brought her to, I think, like a counselor or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when we see the parents talking to the counselor, we're watching it in a mirror. Oh. Because there's a point when you see the camera turn and it reveals that we've been watching a mirror and not a window. Oh, wow. I didn't catch that. And I think this is the first time I caught it. Wow. Because it's not crazy noticeable, but we're seeing, in that scene, we're seeing from young Adelaide, who is actually the tethered, we're seeing from, like, her point of view, and she's looking in the mirror, watching her parents talk to the counselor. So that's, like, a little weird little thing. Were there any other musings that you had, or do you want to go into the wines, or? The only other thing I wanted to say is that I want a red jumpsuit. Oh my goodness, yes. Everyone looked great. Workwear is cute, and I want to wear it all the time. I like the idea of having a uniform. You know, you don't have to pick what you wear every day. You just wear a red jumpsuit, and then... I would be fine with that. Yeah. Maybe not red for every day for me, but a jumpsuit. Fair enough, fair enough. How about you? Anything else that you wanted to say before we go to the wine? I don't know. I'm thinking a lot about the scissors, just because I feel like those oh, yeah. those have some kind of significance that I'm not really picking up on. But I feel like scissors were really intentional. I say this because I just recently broke a pair of scissors. <laughs> but the two pieces are, like, identical. Oh. And they're connected with, like, the usually, like, a little screw. Yeah, yeah. But it's, like, they, they're two of the same. They're two of the same, but facing opposite directions. Yeah, but they're, they're connected, though. So another, like, twin slash du- double thing. Yeah. I think. Also, visually, just, like, works. I haven't really thought about the scissors much before, but I feel like there is a significance. And I think you're right that it's, like, it visually works. It's, like, two pieces connected together. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. And also for the little, like, I almost said garland. The little, um... Mm, the paper dolls. Yeah, like the the paper hands that are t- connected. Mm-hmm. Like, they had to be cut. And it's also like an untethering, so it's like a cutting of off. Because mm-hmm. I'm remembering Adelaide slash Red cutting it, them apart at the end. Yeah. That checks out. Totally. 
Those are nice scissors. This is where my brain is. We're film scholars, yeah. Yeah, we're film scholars. <laughs> IDK, I liked it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Referencing a tweet that Rachel sent to me during this movie. Yes. It's accurate, though. That is how film critics review things in their heads before they write real reviews. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It was a movie. Yeah, that was... Uh, I watched it. I, I finished it. I consumed that media for sure. One last movie thing. Shout out to the soundtrack. Like, all of the audio in this. Oh, yeah. Score and, um, like, music selections for the soundtrack. Perfect. Love it. Janelle Monet, yes. Like, right at the beginning. Yes. Off to a great start. Do you want to get into the wines? Yes. Would you like to go first? Sure. Let's see. Mine was good. Mid-range. I'd say 3.5. There wasn't much to say about it. Also, I have to be up pretty early tomorrow, so I only had one glass. And so I nursed it for a long time throughout the entire (laughs) movie. And it held up. It fit with the different moods because, you know, I was like drinking at the beginning when it was a little bit lighter and then I was drinking it during the murder scenes and it was still good. And then I was, you know, resolution, it was still pretty tasty. And so it like held up, but it wasn't particularly like special. That being said, I think the um, bottle fit pretty well because it was called dark and then like the, uh, the cork was black and... It was a very dark red wine. So I think that all fit. And especially since like the wine was red and like their jumpsuits are red. I think aesthetically it fit. And I think that's where at least two of the clinks come in. But as far as the actual flavor and like taste, eh. Yeah. So 3.5. I think mine would also be, it would also sit around a 3.5. So this is 100% on me, but I didn't realize how long that wine was open. Oh, no. Um, It was like, I'm not like sick or anything. And I looked it up. I'll be fine. But essentially, it tastes like vinegary. I I track my wines on Vivino. And I looked up like the date that I logged it the first time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ooh, it's been open for like three weeks. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) <laughs> and it's a really tannic wine, which some websites were saying means that it would still taste okay. Because I didn't think it was that awful at first. Mm-hmm. I only had one glass. But the more I sipped it, I was like, no, this doesn't taste like wine. <laughs> and like, it tastes like vinegary, but also kind of like rubbing alcohol a little. Ooh. It was, it, yeah. So I had one very small glass, which is totally on me for opening it early. <laughs> It's because I bought it super early and then I wanted wine one night and it was all I had. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I was like... Desperate times call for desperate measures. It happens. And the first time I had it, I really did enjoy it. And I think it's a good wine. I definitely like would drink it again. But I would try to not drink it after it's been open for three weeks. What I remember from the first time I tried it, it's very like cherry and spice mm-hmm. tasting, which is lovely i remember it being like really rich which i liked but yeah i didn't get to experience that today so i drank water for most of it It was very exciting pairing there (laughs) so yeah i would give it a 3.5 based mostly on my memory of the wine okay and i think the theme of like the omen kind of goes with it because it's, I don't know, it's very ominous and very, like, it almost feels, when I hear the word omen, I kind of think of, like, an urban legend, which I think the tethered can, like, they it sounds like an urban legend. Totally. So that kind of lines up for me. And then, of course, as I say all the time, red equals blood, so it works. Red wine always kind of pairs well when there's blood on screen. You're like, yeah. I'm, it's here too. <laughs> that's how I that's how I pick <laughs> most of my wines for this is I'm like, okay, well, a red wine is always a little bit horror uh, adjacent. So <laughs> yeah, especially if you have it in the right glass. Yeah. <laughs> Today I drank out of a glass. All of my wine glasses are dirty. So I drank out of a, a mug. Nice. A glass mug that says hot stuff. Nice. So very um fitting paired with my like vegan chicken tenders 
Ooh, wait, are they the Aldi vegan chicken tenders? No, I had the Gardein ones today. Oh, those are good. The Aldi vegan chicken tenders, though, not sponsored, but um, buy that shit. Those are so delicious. (laughs) Those ones are good. I think I, I think that's everything I have to say about the wine. All right. It was mostly disappointing, and I'm just like, don't drink your wine after it's been open for that long. <laughs> just don't do it. PSA from Jenny. PSA, finish your wine within, like, three to five days at most <laughs> is what you're supposed to do, according to the internet. And you're also supposed to put it in the fridge, which, guess what, didn't do. <laughs> well, who thinks of chilling their red wine? It's fine. No one. It just slows down the oxidation so if you are gonna save it you want to put it in the fridge gotcha or a cellar if you have one. Oh yes my wine cellar <laughs> yeah in your wine in your wine fridge <laughs> all right so are you ready to hear what movie i have picked for next month absolutely all right april is the month of shin godzilla oh my god yes one of our, fir- our first creature features yes and that's kind of um i feel like we've watched a bunch of genres of horror and we haven't done like a monster movie yet yeah so that'll be a great addition yeah this was recommended to me by the same person who recommended um they live they live yes and i was looking it up and shin godzilla is actually directed by the same director who directed neon genesis evangelion which was the anime that i talked about watching in the beginning of the show. Worlds collide. Yeah, and I didn't even realize it until I was looking it up like just a few minutes ago. But yeah, it's the same director. And so like it's all coming together, all making sense. And he did a great job with Neon Genesis. And so I'm like really, really excited to be watching this one. April is the month of Shin Godzilla, a fun monster yes. movie. I can't wait. <laughs> yes amazing well thank you all for listening yes follow us on the social media stuff yep all linked in in the doobly do in the doobly (laughs) too oh my gosh like old old youtube video old vlog brothers (laughs) oh god (laughs) but yes follow us on the socials keep up with our cats I'll put Christofferson's face on things, and it'll be great. Thanks for listening. See you next month, or talk to you next month. Talk to you next month. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Earbud Media Production. Earbud Media, audio for everyone.